So once again, good morning to all. On behalf of our senior pastor, Alan Ali, along with the elders, pastors, and officers of the incredible body of Christ, locally assembled here at Calvary Bible Church, we welcome and greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To borrow a familiar line from one of our uh, elders, you could not have chosen a better place to be here worshiping amongst God's people and in his house. And today I believe this is especially true, as just one Lord's Day ago, we gathered on the eve of this nation's general elections, an inherently potent and potentially divisive process, and we participated again in reestablishing God's third institution, that of government. But today, in God's providence, we gather on this Lord's Day unified, firstly to worship our triune God through his second institution, the church, and secondly, and I may say more importantly, in recognition and celebration of his first institution, which is the family, and specifically mothers. And so we welcome and pay tribute to every mother here today, those biological mothers who experience those first pains of labor, and all other mothers amongst us who have participated in that lifelong labor of love and nurture, and are called by many a mother to me. So adopted mothers, godmothers, awana leaders, teachers, and the like. A blessed and happy Mother's Day to you, to you all, and thank you for your love, kindness, faithfulness, and patience. We love you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we give you thanks for your manifold blessings upon us, individually that you have spared our lives and health that we could gather here today, collectively as your church that you through Christ have made a way to redeem us unto yourself and save us from sin, death, and hell. And as a nation, that we are still a people who acknowledge you as sovereign and see your hand upon us, even as we go through the changes of government. Father, we pray that as we assemble ourselves before you and seek your face, that you would indeed hear our prayer and heal our land. And for each mother present, Lord, we ask that your good hand would remain upon them to preserve and guide them. For those among us who are missing the embrace of a mother, we pray that you, the God of all comfort, would be their comfort and give them the grace to carry on. And finally, Lord, it is our prayer that you would receive the glory due to you through our worship. And this time will lead to a commitment or recommitment to serving you fully and faithfully. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
now invite our brother Kevin Barton to lead us uh, with a poem, and immediately following that, we'll have a presentation called Life's Perspectives. Good morning, church. Here's a short story of a woman who was prejudged because of how she looked and how she dressed. And I know that you know someone who fit this description. Maybe it's in your church, in this church, or other churches, in the community, or even in our homes. As I was walking, as I was standing in the distance, coming in my direction, was an elderly lady. And as she approached, she looked real tacky. And I said to myself, this lady need help and needed it fast. Of course, in my thinking, I said I need to bless her. So I put my hands in my pocket to pull out a few dollars. And as I pondered this thought, I turned around and was about to bless her with the money I pulled from my pocket. Just as she was turning into her yard, again, I thought that she was just going, reaching to work, fumbling for her keys to open the door to start her daily chores. But what I found out, that she was indeed all woman, a woman of distinction and worthy of praise. Of course, something piqued my curiosity. You may ask, how did I know all of this? Well, something piqued my curiosity, and I wanted to find out all I could about this woman. And so, an investigation began. The first people I talked with was the, was the children, and all the praise they had for her. Not because she was their mother, and not because they loved her very much. Not even because of the many things she did with her hands. But because of her character and her personality. They went on to tell me stories after stories after stories about this godly woman. But again, in my mind, I was thinking, these were children. And could they be objective about who she really was? Because I was trying to find some of the hard stuff on her, you know. Then I give up. I went on to her husband. I, I asked to speak with him. For a minute, he didn't want to speak with me. But I persisted, and he gave in. And as I began to talk, I knew I had to ask hard questions that will find out who this woman is all about. Because for me, I saw her as a tacky old lady who needed help and needed it bad. So as I begin my interview with him, I asked a hard question, and he paused as to collect his thoughts. Then a magnificent smile filled his face as he began to tell me about his honeydew. That's what he called her. He told me stories about their wedding, about their marriage, about the children, their home, their church. And again, I was thinking, this is a husband. He's not going to tell me things I want to know. So I, end, I ended that um, interview. But by now, there was a pattern emerging. I learned earlier that she had some good church friends. Um, a few of them were grace, joy, faith, hope, ironically. Um, I spoke with these ladies, and they give me a similar report. Good report about this woman, how she served in the nursery, how she served singing the choir. She sang in the choir, and how she served on many boards. Again, the evidence was mountain. They even told me of how many people she handled in the church. Many people who she helped one for Christ. Many people who are permanent fixtures in society. Lawyers and doctors and teachers. Even a pastor or two. Again, I spoke with others of the church. They gave me a similar report. The pastors as well gave me a similar report. Now there was only one person I need to speak with. And it was Miss Noble herself. I asked an audience with her. And she granted it. Now I knew I had to ask some hard questions that would test her character and to see what she was all about. And as she gave me the audience, I asked this question. I said, what do you consider to be a good mother in today's society? The minute she opened her mouth, 
I could hear and see the wisdom rolling off her tongues. Off her thumb, sorry. <laughs> and I could, I could see and hear the wisdom and, and, and knowledge rolling off her tongue. As she answered every question I put to her. She even gave me some parental advice that I could use for the future. With all the evidence collected, I submit to you that she is indeed a woman of distinction who is worthy of praise. Her character is impeccable. Her children and husband supports her. Her hands is always open to the poor and needy. You know, I believe that there are angels living amongst us and Miss Noble is one of them. And as for the as for me, I will never judge a book by its cover. And as for the money I pulled from my pocket to bless her with, she took it and said, thank you, son. If you know someone like that today, and you see that person, give them your love and tell them you appreciate them. Thank you. Oftentimes, we as mothers beat ourselves up for things that did not go quite as planned as far as our children are concerned. Sometimes this may be unnecessary if we were to examine life from our children's perspectives. We will give you a few examples. Friday was the most tiring day ever. First, I had to join long lines at every stop. BEC, BTC, cable, the alarm and insurance companies. Then I had to tackle the food store. Talk about Friday traffic. To top it off, I had to drag my daughter along with me everywhere I went. Mom and I had a great adventure on Friday. We went to about 100 places. I got to look at a million television screens and cable Bahamas. And my mom even bought me an ice cream cone from Dairy Queen. I was so tired after all that running around that I could barely stay awake while we were having devotions last night. While my daughter was reading the Bible story, I accidentally fell asleep. I felt so badly when she woke me up at the end of the story. While we were having devotions last night, Mom had a lot to pray about just like Granddad does during the sermons at church. Speaking of Granddad, as many of you know, my father spent about two anxious weeks in hospital a few months ago. We know that it was only the prayers of God's people that got him through, and we really want to thank our Calvary Bible Church family for that. But as a family... We would make sure that someone was at the hospital from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Many times, all of us were there. I was certain that it was going to be tiring and boring for the youngest one in the family. When my mom would pick me up from school, I would be so happy when I learned that we were going to the hospital to see Granddad. I loved eating dinner in the hospital cafeteria, doing my homework in the waiting room, and making new friends. We would get home late in the night. Well, when Granddad came out of hospital, there were restrictions on his diet. But there were certain foods that he could eat that he really enjoyed. Sugar apples, dillies, sugar cane, and the list goes on. Sometimes he tended to go overboard eating these items. One day, I tried to wrestle one of these items from him. He playfully lifted his dinner knife to protect the goods. Of course, my youngest daughter was observing this. We wondered what story her teacher was going to hear the next day. Granddad tried to murder my mom. <laughs> Speaking of crime, one night Miranda and I were coming home from a church event when I noticed the vehicle following us. As there was no one else home, I drove past the house and proceeded to go to my sister's house to call the police. When the occupants of the vehicle realized that I was not going home, they pulled off onto a side road and stopped. My mom likes to go for little drives in our neighborhood at night. Sometimes she drives right past our house and goes to visit our relatives. If you know anything about our family, we do not like doctors, needles, blood, pain, anything to do with hospitals. In fact, when it was discovered that I was pregnant, I told the doctor, one C-section coming up, please, because I wanted to be knocked out for the entire event. He was like, oh, no, it doesn't work like that. I said, oh, yes, it does. And it did. As a mother, though, I worry when my children are not feeling well. And I hurt when they have to get needles. 
I love visiting. I love going to the doctor, getting blood drawn, and just playing getting needles. And that's fun. And that's the truth. And I'm serious. Dead serious. <laughs> As you can see, we look at life differently. But there is one thing we do have the same views on. We, we love, love Jesus, Jesus and, and we, we love, love each, each other. other. Thank you, thank you. Let me ask the mothers in our audience today. We looked up a couple of, a few quotes, and I want to know whether or not these resonate with you. One of them says, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to, to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Anybody agree with that? <laughs> and another one says, when you are a mother, you are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for her child and once for, her, once for herself, sorry, and once for her child. True? Any mothers? All right. Thank you. 
Education comes before anything. Um, she loves me more than her. You can be anything you dream to be. Your education comes before the world. continue with a special tribute now by Brother Trevor Bridgewater. Morning. A tribute to mothers. Mothers are everything for us when we are small. Our lives revolve around her. For everything that we need, we call on mother. To protect us from all perceivable dangers, we want her around us. To take us out, we hold her arms. To kiss away our wounds, we run to her. And for a warm hug and love, we look for her. She's the focal point of our life, the greatest human being in the world, or should we say, divinity on earth. On the special occasion of Mother's Day, pay tribute to your mother, the greatest blessing of God to you. On Mother's Day, thank your mother. There is simply no way we can ever thank Mother for all she has done for us. She is the one who will always be awake when we are sick, praying to God to make us well and be ever ready to bear the pain that we may be experiencing. 
She is the one to wake up early in the morning to make the nicest tiffin and to endure all our tantrums. Mothers are the ones who would forever complain that we are not eating enough or not eating right. They would cook all sorts of things so that we will be strong and healthy. Mothers, in fact, worry more for our examinations than we must. They would take pains to complete our school projects, leaving all other works behind while we play around with friends or just while away time watching movies. On Mother's Day, apologize to your mother. Mothers are the one on whom we put all the blame for our failures. We will not hesitate once to put her single fox past, though she would not miss even the slightest opportunity to praise us. Isn't it tough to imagine how she must have borne our ten- temper tantrums when we were teenagers, and how hard it must have made her life by behaving so rude and difficult? And yet, she was so astonishingly cool. It is easy for the kids to be so demanding from parents, especially mothers, as we take her affection and care so much for granted, most often to the extent of selfishness. Mother's Day is the right time to apologize for all the troubles that we gave to our moms, without even realizing at most times how troublesome we must have been to her. Celebrate Mother's Day with your dear mother. Mother's Day is the perfect day to celebrate the joys of having a mother. It is a time to recommend for not being able to spend quality time with her. So turn your wrongs right by making all efforts to give a perfect Mother's Day to your mother. Think about her likes and dislikes, about gifts, an idea on celebration and act accordingly. Strive to make Mother's Day absolutely hassle-free for your mother and take the responsibilities on yourself for the day. Pamper her a little on this special day of hers, just as she pampers you all year round. Give her a warm hug and a big kiss as you wish her a happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we could give to you, our love gifts, our Orphan, you have richly blessed us with everything that pertains to life and godliness. You are a good and faithful Father. We ask that you may give us wisdom and discernment as we manage your resources and your time. In Jesus' name, amen. to the tune of Be Still My Soul. All together now. Oh, give us homes built firm upon the Savior where Christ is head and counselor and guide where every child is taught in
pay for me to get my hair done. Um, he gave me money to buy a nice dress. Um, then he gives me flowers. And on Mother's Day, he, he also gave me um, some spending money and then we go um, to the hotel to eat. So I, I get treat royalty that day and I love it. It's I would say getting together with my mother and my husband's mother and all of our all of the all the sister-in-laws and sisters that are mothers and all of our kids and going on the boat. My most memorable Mother's Day was having all of my family together and especially when my sisters lived up here that we all spent that time with my mother having the whole family being together. That was some of my most memorable ones. But now that my mother is gone and my children are all married, just being with my children that are here, with my grandchildren, that's, that's why I love doing that. My most memorable mother's day, I think, was when all of my children were here and we attended church together and they had dinner together and um, well, my children always try to make me happy on Mother's Day, and especially uh, Elizabeth, she always wants to um, give me breakfast in bed. So that's like a tradition, and the other two used to do the same thing. She wants to go and pick flowers and bring me my breakfast on a tray, and that's very nice. Well, my most memorable Mother's Days are spent on the day on Mother's Day with my entire family, including all of my sisters and their seven girls, and my mother, their children, their husbands, we all get together on Mother's Day. We have dinner, we have games, we have fun, we laugh, we talk, we joke, and we do everything that makes us happy. The most memorable Mother's Day that I had was the year, the Mother's Day after I lost my husband. My kids really rallied around me, and they made me feel very special. My most memorable Mother's Day is just being a mother. It's every day. Every day, it's a happy day. It's just watching my daughter grow, the things that she do, she says, and how God has blessed her. That's the most memorable Mother's Day for me. Um, these are a few things that, signs that you're a mother. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Um, a sign that you're a mother is you only have time, you only have time to shave one leg at a time. You have to hide in the bathroom to be alone. <laughs> okay, how about this one? You hire a babysitter because you haven't been out with your husband in ages. Then you spend half the night talking about and checking on those children. I think that that happens. Another sign that you're a mother, you hear your mother's voice coming out of your mouth and saying, not in your good clothes. And finally, you stop criticizing the way that your mother raised you. Amen? <laughs> okay, we're going to have a moment of silence now for uh, mothers that have passed um, recently and for all of those that are missing moms today. We just want to pause and remember and reflect um, for just a brief moment, please. Thank you. And now we invite our brother, Wilton Craig Knowles, who is the husband of Sister Anita Knowles and father of four, to give us a charge today, um, a special word to all of us. So, Brother Craig, please come. Um, good morning again, and a happy Mother's Day. I want to um, take this opportunity to encourage the mothers of uh, Calvary Bible Church, and I pray that this morning... Uh, the words would be an encouragement and also a challenge, uh, as they were a challenge to me. Um, let's pray. Father, we come into your presence this morning in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the privilege, Father God, of spending time in your word. And we look forward, Father God, to hear from you this morning. We pray, Father God, that I would not be seen, but your Holy Spirit would speak forth the word and would go forth and accomplish 
for purpose we're never sent. And so we thank you once again for this, for this opportunity, for this privilege, as we commit this time unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic for this morning is begin with the end in mind. Now some of you may be familiar with that statement. It is a, one of the habits from our friend Stephen Covey, his book entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the idea is you ask yourself at the end of my life, I ask myself this story. I'm at my funeral and what would I want the persons who are gathered around me to say? What would I want my co-workers, what would I want my wife, my children to say about me at my funeral? And then I take the steps daily to bring to life the things that I would want people to say about me. What would I want to hear? An example, what would I want my wife to say? I'd love for her to say that I was a loving husband, I was compassionate, I was caring. I spent time with her. So what would I need to do now to hear that from my wife? Begin with the end in mind. And the question is to mothers and mothers-to-be. At the end of the day, what do you want to see developed in the life of your child or the life of your children? What would you want to be said about your son, about your daughter? Do you want to hear that he was a a good athlete? He was an excellent student? He was a good son? He was a godly child or he really loved the Lord? What do you want to be said? And then the question is, what steps are you taking daily as a mother to bring about this desired result? What decisions, what choices and behavior are you exhibiting such that you are realizing your desired goals, your desired results in your child. What are you doing as a mother? What are we teaching them? What are we living before them? What are we allowing them to get involved in, such that we see these results realized? And the reality is, is it's, it's your choice. The child does not make these decisions. We as parents, you as mothers, that spend the majority of the time with these young people, have the opportunity and the privilege of molding and shaping their lives by what you teach and by how you live. The question is, what are we doing? I want to ask you a question. This is for the children in the audience. I want you to guess something for me. Who am I talking about? I'm going to read some passages. I want you to tell me who is the person I'm making reference to. And you have to wait until I give all the clues. No no adults involved. I know how we like to do. Whisper to the child and tell them what the answer is. No cheating, please. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelled first in your mother, Lewis, your grandmother, Lewis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Acts 16, then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Blank, the son of a certain Jewish woman, and believe, who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him, because the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And finally, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Who am I talking about? Anybody? A hand? Timothy. Excellent. Timothy. Good job. The young man's name is... Timothy, and that's the person I'm going to be sharing about this morning. Timothy, and especially about his mother, Eunice. Now, Timothy was a a special man. His mother was Eunice, a Jewish believer, for some background. His grandmother was Louis, a believer, and his father was a Greek heathen. He was probably a native of Lystra, where he and his mother were probably converted on Paul's first missionary journey. Now, Lystra was also where Paul was stoned. If you remember the story, 
Um, Paul was stoned, dragged out of the city, left for dead, got back up and walked back in. I don't know if you remember that story. Everybody should know that one. So that was the, the backdrop of this young man's life. And on the second missionary journey there, when Paul returned, he took Timothy with him on his journeys. That is the story of Timothy. But we're going to begin with the end in mind. And as I, I share with you, I want you to consider, and let's look at the end of Timothy's life first. Because that's what we want to pay attention to. As a mother, you consider the end. What do you want to see in the life of your child? Let's begin with the end. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. The King James uses the word unfeigned faith. It means a faith that is without hypocrisy. It's real. It's true. It's sincere. Paul is saying, when he thinks about Timothy, he remembers that Timothy has a genuine faith. He's a young man with a sincere, a real faith. It is something that he sees lived out in the life of Timothy. Paul says he is persuaded. He has been convinced that Timothy's faith is real. Now you might ask yourself the question, what, what convinced Paul? What convinced Paul that Timothy's faith was real? What did Paul see? What did Paul see demonstrated in the life of this young man such that he was able to say that Timothy, his faith, was genuine? Then we look again at Acts 16, 1 through 3. He said, Timothy was born to a certain Jewish woman, but he was, he was said he was well spoken of by the brethren. In other words, this young man had a good reputation. When the elders of the church talked about him, they spoke very highly of him. He was a man who was a good character. He was well-behaved, well-mannered. He behaved in the synagogue. He didn't run up and down the church. It sounds like my son. But he doesn't run up and down the church like other young men. But he was well-mannered, well-behaved. These are the qualities that Paul saw demonstrated in the life of young Timothy. That was the end. Now the question you ask yourself as a mother, if that is the end, what's the beginning? What do I need to do to get that type of result in the life of my son? And so, we go to the beginning. Back to the same text, we consider what did his mother do? It is said in the text that his mother that Timothy knew from a child the Holy Scriptures. From a child. His mother took the time. As was said even in some of the clips, one of the young men says his mother takes the time to read the Bible with him at night. Now at that time, remember now, all they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have veggie tales. They didn't have any um, Sunday school youth group. They had none of these things going on. All they had was the Old Testament. You know those, those books with the, the long genealogies? That's all they had. But Timothy's, Timothy's mother took the time, spent the time with her son, ensuring that he heard the word of God. It is said that he knew from whom he had learned them. I believe... Paul also spent time teaching Timothy. As Timothy traveled with him, Paul took the time to invest the word of God in him. But it was his mother who started the process off. It was his mother who, from a child, took the time to invest in her son. Also remember now, he says in 2 Timothy 1.5, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. Genuine faith. Timothy didn't just hear the word of God taught. Timothy saw it lived. He saw it on a daily basis. And not just in his mother, the text says. 
he also saw it in his grandmother. And so he sees the genuineness of what his mother is talking about. I mean, and mothers, I think this is one of the greatest challenges we have to be very wary of. The necessity of consistency. Saying and doing the same thing. Our children are not blind. I know my son and my daughter, my sons, I got yeah, one son, two sons, sorry honey, two sons and two daughters, but they're not blind. They see, they watch, they notice, they're aware of what's going on. They listen to what you say, but they especially watch what you do. And they're looking to see if whether or not what you say and what you do are consistent. They want to see whether or not the faith that you are talking about is genuine. Is it real? Because if it's not real to you, why should I pay attention? Why should I listen to what you have to say? Why should I accept this God that you're talking about, but not paying any, but just paying lip service to? Why should I pay attention to him? Why should I listen to what he has to say? Why should I listen to the claims that he has on my life? If you say one thing, but do something else. So we have to be careful that we have demonstrated to our children that what we say and what we do are consistent. It says it was genuine, it was real, it was demonstrated. His mother left a good impression. Now, I don't want you to believe that this, this, was, this is easy. Uh, my wife will tell you, being a mother is not easy work. Um, she's at home with four kids, one breastfeeding, homeschooling. I think going to work is the easy job. Don't you agree, man? <laughs> no, no? <laughs> they agree. <laughs> going to work is the easy, easy job, but I don't want you to leave with the impression that it's easy, just, just, just raising children. Just say the right things and do the right things and the kids just come out just right. Um, it doesn't happen that way. There, there, there are challenges you're going to face. And Timothy's mother faced those challenges as well. Um, and let's look at a few of them. It says that she was a Jewish woman who was a believer and she, her husband was a Greek, a heathen. Um, Mama Jew father of Greek. Could you imagine what type of religious challenges she was going through as a Jew married to a Greek? A Bahamian married to a foreigner? Imagine the things that people say. Imagine the challenges you face. But yet still, she maintained her faith. Imagine the challenges of being married to a different denomination. Married to a a Baptist? You married a Baptist? A Pentecostal? A a Catholic? So imagine now, she's a woman who was a Jew, married to a, a Greek. Imagine the stigma on her life. Married to a Greek heathen. A Christian woman. Married to a non-believer. I think in our country, we, we, we know a lot of cases of that. A woman trying to live a godly life, but she's married to a man who's not necessarily seeing, seeing things from her point of view. So Timothy's mother had challenges. But yet still it is said that when Paul arrived at Lystra on his second missionary journey, the brethren at Lystra could speak highly of him. This is a good young man. This is a young man who has demonstrated his faith. We can speak. We can recommend him to you, Paul. Because this godly woman took the time, in the midst of these challenges, to raise a godly young man. So mothers, it may be tough. It may be challenging. It may be difficult. But I think you would agree that the cost is too great to give up. I think you would agree that the objective is too valuable 
to say, you know what? I can't do it anymore. And if you compare ourselves to our heavenly parents, our heavenly father, he doesn't give up on us. The Bible says he loves us with an everlasting love. And so we can't give up on our children. We can't just put them aside. We have to meet the challenges head on. We have to meet the challenges in this world today. And they're gonna, it's going to be tough. But with God's help, our scripture says we can do all things. All things through Christ, which strengthens us. Now, I say all that, and I will have to say this. I have to include a disclaimer. You know, people put a disclaimer in the statement at the very la- at the very bottom. This is in fine print, so bear in mind. You have to. You always have to understand that our children have a choice. You agree? You can teach it, you can live it, but they have to choose. To accept it. And you can be the best parent that you can be. But our kids still have a choice. I always, I always look at the example of our Heavenly Father. God is a perfect Father. Think about it. Perfect Father. He has perfect lessons. He has lived the perfect example. He has taught the perfect lessons. But He has from some, some not so perfect children. You agree? We aren't perfect. But yet, our Heavenly Father still loves us. And our imperfections do not speak to the fact that God is any less or any worse of a Father. It speaks to us and our choices, our decisions to accept or reject what our parents say, what our Heavenly Father says. And so mothers, teach it and live it. And then pray. And trust God. The word says he works in us. He works in them. To do, to will, and to do of his good pleasure. And so yes, you do your hardest to teach them. But we have to trust God to do the work in them. And allow him in his time to bring to pass the fruits, the investment that you've placed in the life of your children. We can't give up. Philippians 2.19 verse 22 says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who sincerely will care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel what a statement what a thing to hear as a mother what an end, what a testimony to his mother this is what they said about my son Timothy and I look at that I look at the struggles, I look at the challenges I look at the difficulties and I can say that it was worth it the time that I invested the energy and the effort because this is what Paul has said about this young man he has a proven character that as a son he has served with me in the gospel you're going to make choices you're going to make decisions and you're going to conduct yourself in a certain manner and as you do consider the end when I act this way, when I make this choice, when I make this decision, what is going to be the end result? Keep the end in mind. When I thought I wasn't looking, this is a poem by an unknown author. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you hang my first painting on the refrigerator and I wanted to paint it another one. When I thought you wasn't looking, I saw you feed a stray cat, and I thought it was good to be kind to animals. When I thought, when you thought I wasn't looking, I saw you make my favorite cake for me, and I knew that little things are special things. 
when I thought I, when you thought I wasn't looking, I heard you say a prayer, and I believed that there was a God to talk to. When you thought I wasn't looking, I felt you kiss me goodnight, and I felt loved. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw tears come from your eyes, and I learned that sometimes things hurt, but it's all right to cry. When you thought I wasn't looking, I saw that you cared, and I wanted to be everything that I could be. When you thought I wasn't looking, I looked, and I wanted to say thanks for all the things I saw when you thought I wasn't looking. Mothers, they're looking, and I pray God that the example they see will lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ and a continual life for his honor and glory. Happy Mother's Day. Oh
two other little things that might make you smile as we close out. A couple of points called the principles of motherhood. One of those principles is to be in your children's memories tomorrow, you have to be in their lives today. And I think that's very consistent with what Brother Craig um, shared with us. It's very important, um, not for just mothers, but obviously today we focus on mothers, um, to make sure that as you are a part of those wonderful memories that you are present in their lives. And one interesting little tidbit here, uh, it says an alarm clock is a device for awakening people who don't have small children. Isn't that true? And so now I'm going to invite our Brother Craig Nose to come, and we'll have our benediction. And again, once to everybody, I wish you a very happy and blessed Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this privilege of being able to celebrate motherhood. And may you be glorified in this time, Father God, and as we go our separate ways, may you take us in peace and safety. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of our of the Holy Ghost be with us now forevermore. Amen.